episode of On My Own Vibe. I'm your host, Nikki D, and I have another special guest with me this week. Uh, Tori, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, I am Tori, um, and thank you for welcoming me to your show. Oh, awesome, awesome. All right, so today we're going to talk about um, pleasure and religion, and I think uh, I don't identify as religious. I actually identify more so as a follower of Christ. I don't even particularly care for Christianity as it has been uh what it has been made into by man today um but you know I think Jesus was a dope dude uh my mother's religious I guess my father's religious he goes to church so there's that but you know I think some folks that I talk to have always had like a hard time reconciling between their uh religious beliefs and their pursuit of personal pleasure Um, It actually comes up a lot in previous episodes of On My Own Vibe, too. That comes up a lot in conversations, especially with Black folks, because I think our our relationship with uh, these religions that aren't maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, some of these religions were practiced by our ancestors, right? But I think uh, some things have been bastardized, right? So... There, I think the the guilt that often comes. I'm not only because I can only speak on um, Christianity in terms of this this journey towards pleasure. You know, is deeply ingrained in us to the point. I think when we start having conversations as adults and trying to articulate and figure out what we want, uh, you know, those are some of the hangups. So I wanted to talk and bring on someone who uh, just was interested and probably had some interesting experiences to share with people and, and to talk about that. Okay, okay. Um, Well, first off, I am Catholic. I'm Roman Catholic, uh, which a lot of people don't know. Um, And for the Black community, most times, I think you might be Baptist more than Catholic. Yeah, that's what I say. And like, yeah, like a lot of people are like, oh my God, you're Catholic. I'm like, yeah, that's that's me. (laughs) Um, And I started off in the church very young. I probably was about four. Um, about four, my mom, she wanted to kind of introduce me and my brother into, she wanted us to have structure and to know God. Um, so she started taking us to church every Sunday. We did, um, Sunday school. We would do like the choir or anything like, um, services in the church as far as like community services and things like that. So I think that really was what she was looking for. Um, and as I was growing up, I wasn't so aware of, I guess, my sexuality until Mm -hmm. I became a teenager. Um, And at that point, uh, I did question myself a lot. I was very conflicted because uh, homosexuality was not something that we really talked about. Um, And it it was just kind of like it didn't exist. It didn't Mm. exist. And kind of being Catholic, it was just assumed that I'm not going to be accepted if I decided I'm going to choose this lifestyle. So 
even now, um, I would go to church and I would kind of be cautious. Like if I have a partner, I'm like, ooh, should I bring that person to church? Um, how am I going to be accepted by my member, the members of the church? Um, so it was definitely something that I questioned for a long time and something that I had to learn how to become comfortable with. I had to become comfortable with who I am enough to reassure the person that I'm with that it's okay to come into the church. Um, and also I feel like I've had like really good experiences. Like, I mean, really good experiences, like with members of my church being very like, uh, pro LGBT, um, community and like, kind of like standing up and being aware of who I am and taking up for me and the aspect of like, you know, you can't say certain things about my sexuality to other people or make broad statements about it. So I feel like I've had like a pretty good experience, but I can't say that for everybody else, especially when it comes to religion. Right. Right. That's one of those mm-hmm. things where um, I, I personally feel like some people love to talk about that walk, but they don't really walk it. Um, yeah. Do you think growing up, like once you figured out, okay, yeah, I'm attracted to women. Um, do you think, did you have to work through, I, I know from like a, a religious standpoint, it's like, okay, I'm attracted to women. We were taught this is wrong. But I'm I'm more so curious about in terms of figuring out, okay, this feels good. How can it be wrong if this feels good? Like that was one of my first things that I figured out. Well, it, honestly, it didn't really take me that long. There wasn't really a guilt <laughs> time period for me. But there was this, there was this, uh, and I tell people this all the time because, you know, um, I think, what is it? American Gods has a scene like this, and there's another show that has a scene where, oh, uh, Lovecraft, there's this scene where these characters are in this really gay space, and the music is playing, you can tell what they're trying to convey is this this feeling of euphoria and belonging and finally being home, and I was explaining to someone, I was like, yeah, that's kind of not necessarily what it felt like, but I do remember being in the docks. I don't think it was probably like one of my first times. I think it was one of my first times on a third Saturday when it was completely gay and looking around and seeing all these half naked people, black people just dancing around. And I could not understand like, why would anyone hate this amount of joy and how can this amount of joy be perceived as evil? Because this type of fellowship feels very, it does feel very spiritual. It feels very present and it, it feels very not guilty good, but wholeness. There's some wholeness to it. And so I'm wondering, was there a period of time that you had to think about like, or you wrestled with the fact that you're, you're gaining pleasure from this, but I'm taught that I'm not supposed to receive this type of pleasure. Let's just, that's, I, I think there's more to that. I can't just say this type of pleasure, but I think there's nuance with that, but. Was there ever a time where you kind of struggled or you thought back and forth or fought with yourself over that? Um, yeah, definitely. I uh, was in high school and at the time I wasn't really like dating or seeing people. So I wasn't, you know, I just kind of was focused on school and I started noticing that I was having feelings towards women 
And I remember, like, most of my friends were gay at that point. And, uh, you know, I didn't really care. It wasn't a big thing. And my dad, he had said something to me. And he's like, you know, Tori, birds of a feather flock together. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I didn't think about it then. And then I think that at that point, he was starting to see that maybe I like women, but I wasn't aware of it. And uh, there was, like, this one morning where I was just, like, really upset. He was driving me to school, and I just started crying. Because I was like, oh my goodness, I feel so conflicted. I don't know what I like at this point. I don't, I, I understand that I'm starting to have feelings for women, but I'm like, that's not really how it's supposed to go. And then also because I was in the church and kind of understanding that, you know, oh, you're supposed to get married to a man and you're supposed to have a family and you're supposed to do all these things. It made me kind of really be like, kind of get down on myself. And I just, I just was like, I, you know, my dad was like, oh, what's, you know, what's wrong? And I couldn't express to him what was wrong with me because I couldn't figure out, like, you know, like, I feel joy from, you know, seeing women and talking to women and, you know, engaging with them, but it's not in a, a friend way. It's in a romantic way. And I'm like, how is my family? Like, you know, what am I going to do when I have to sell my family? So it was very, it was a very emotional time and it, it made me be very like standoffish to people and really question myself. Um, and for a little while, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm not gay. I'm, I'm like bisexual. I just like certain women. Like I tried to like reason with myself and convince myself that, you know, like, oh no, you're not gay. You're, you just think some women are attractive and that didn't last too long. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't last too long. It probably took me maybe a couple of months after that to be like, oh no, you you really do like women, and it's okay. Um, it's so you know it's okay. I, and I didn't come out to my family. I actually was outed, um, which was very um, stressful. It was very stressful because yeah. I still had not decided. This was the period where I'm like, okay, I'm bisexual. I'm stressed out. I'm trying to figure out who I am. I'm still going to church. Uh, I'm in the church, like, at this point, Saturday, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, doing stuff weekly and learning more about the Bible and just, like, feeling like, yeah, I don't know what to do. Um, <clears throat> so when I was out at me and my mom, we had a conversation, and, you know, she, of course she was upset, and she asked what she did was wrong. You know, or how she raised me was it wrong? And I'm like, no, no. I think this is just who I'm going to be. Um, and we went through that. And after that, she was pretty good. And when I figured out that I was uh, a lesbian, I did go back and I talked to her about it. And, you know, she expressed that she loved me and that she cared very deeply for me and that this did not change how she felt about me. And she still made me go to church, which was a great, which was good for me. Because, again, I found other individuals who they didn't care about my sexuality. They're like, okay, you're still the same person, um, which was which helped ease me. But it's, I still felt a little bit tormented because I still had certain ideas about the church. Like, I was so ingrained into my thoughts about the church that for a long time, I'm like, okay, yeah, I like women, but I'll never get married because I don't want to mm. force my beliefs onto the church. I don't want to force my 
sexuality onto the church. And that's how I thought for years. I felt like that. And that was probably me trying to appease other people or trying to say, like, what I'm doing is wrong and kind of, like, punishing myself. Yeah, did those those thoughts and that belief kind of trickle into your relationships with other people, too? Um, I think so. I think so. I think that, um, for a long time, I was very, like, back and forth about marriage. Um, Mm. because I found that I was so conflicted about it that I couldn't make a choice. One minute I would say, yeah, sure, you know, I want to get married, and the next minute I didn't know. And to be that indecisive about who you are, definitely could put, well, I felt like they put strains on my relationships because I didn't trust myself well enough. Mm-hmm. And people can sense that. Um, yeah. So it, it was an obstacle or, or I would uh, kind of self-sabotage. Sometimes I would date people. Um, and I think unknown to myself, I would date them and kind of sense that they may not want to go too much further into like a serious relationship or marriage because I knew I was conflicted about it and I didn't know I was projecting that onto other people or my relationships. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I um I was trying to think back. I've well, you know, the only woman I can think of is it was interesting. Uh, one of my ex-girlfriends, she was actually Catholic. Mm-hmm. You know, I say all the time, I didn't meet my first black Catholics until I went to college um, mm-hmm. in the Baltimore area. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, okay. uh, my parents are from the South. I grew up in Virginia, so we don't have, okay. I mean, we have ba- black Catholics, but I can't recall growing up with any. And um, yeah. one of the conversations we used to have all the time was, you know, her trying to deal with she went to a Catholic school. I don't think she would really, at that particular time, um, identify as a practicing Catholic, but I think there's certain things that she learned in that school that she just could not shake at that time. Mind you, we were only like 19, 20, 21 years old at the time. So we're very young and very, well, I was very new to it. She was probably out, um, well, at least a practicing lesbian Um, I want to say, yeah, probably like college, um, freshman year in college. Right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, her ideas around abortion, even though I'm like, I can't get you pregnant. So I don't understand why we're having this conversation, but (laughs) it always, exactly. I mean, if I could, she's the type, (laughs) I never would have found out about it. Many children would have been had. Okay. <laughs> Understand. Yeah. Yeah. But what threw me was I'm like, okay, we're up here doing nasty ass shit to each other. And I'm a baby dick at this point. Ooh, uh, I'm a little baby stud. And okay. which I'm okay with. I was comfortable with it. Like, like, like I said, once I figured out, oh, this feels great. You don't, I don't yeah. have to question anything after that. Um, yeah. But she would just, you know, it just floored me that I was like, well, how can you have these viewpoints? But here you are living the life that we live. And it was confusing yeah. a little bit to me because I was just like, but you're a lesbian. Uh, this is before I understood that people can be multidimensional. And um, I also didn't realize how my upbringing was also affecting the way that I think and I perceived people. So there's that. But 
you know, I think because sex was always easy for her with us. Um, it was actually a lot harder for me. Um, but I just could not understand some of these these things that she had a really hard time being okay with. And I'm just using abortion because that's one I can recall off the top. But, you know, it wasn't just that. And I was like, I don't understand how you're conservative. Like, I really just couldn't comprehend that. And as I've grown older, you know, I interact other people. I interact with all types of different women. Um, you know, it's uh, you know, I've had some Muslim partners as well that have a really hard time uh, being free. And I'm not talking about the sexual <laughs> actions. Right? I think some people listening might think we're just talking about sex. No, the act of sex for some people is relatively easy, but opening up for connection and vulnerability and uh, I think sex is very spiritual. So sharing your spirit with someone um, without guilt or holding back or in some cases trauma, like that's, you know, that can come into performance and things like that. Um, but I do think I, I can see a common thread throughout women who've had either extremely religious upbringings or they've had like families who are extremely religious. Or I don't even say extremely because my mother is religious. It's just, you know, I think we were given the freedom to be like, okay, I understand, but it wasn't forced on me. It got to a point where I was like, I'm not going to church. I can't sit there. Right, um, right. I, yeah, um, so it was always interesting. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I want to say, I think that's very interesting that you say, I'm not going to church. I'm not going to sit there. Um, I will say that being Catholic, we are very like to the point. And everything is like, you know, we talk about the Bible, but it's not, I've sat through like Baptist um, uh, church and it's a little different because I feel like it's not like a routine or like the readings are a little different in my opinion. And it kind of mm -hmm. can be a little uh, judgmental no. versus actually like teaching from the Bible. Yeah. That, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest, like I feel like if I was Baptist, it would have been really hard for me. But being Catholic, like, literally we have, like, you know, we'll sing, we'll have a homily, the, we'll have a reading. Like, it's really, like, Catholics, we're, we're in and out. It's an hour. Church is an hour. <laughs> we don't go into, like, you know, other things where you're kind of, like, judging a little bit. It's more, I feel like at least for, I've had the same pastor this whole time. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to say my age, but probably 20 plus years at this point and always very uplifting and um, always kind of has something positive to say. And he always makes it understandable and for you to able to digest a little easier. So definitely because I've been to a Baptist church and they were actually um, LGBT friendly and it still seemed a little judgmental to me. And I'm just like, no, I can't. I wouldn't be able to sit there either. I have no problem sitting through church or listening to what they have to say. But I think that when you talk about your how, you know, you had this girlfriend and, you know, how she had certain viewpoints, I think that sometimes we're programmed to think that way. And it's not until we get older and we understand ourselves, that's when we break down that programming and we allow ourselves to be happy um, and again, like not just with sex, but just with being you, just being like, this is who I am and I want you guys to accept me. 
or that first you have to accept yourself and then it makes it easy for other people to accept you. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so I, I think that's very interesting that you said that because I'm like, oh no, I have no problem sitting through uh, mass. I have a problem huh. when I go to somebody else's church. <laughs> you, you know what it is? And, the sitting... <laughs> go ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 I was finished. <laughs> yeah, you know what it it's the it's not for me it's really cuz I was like that even at the hair salon when I was younger too like the beauticians mm-hmm. knew to blow dry my hair with a blow dryer. I can't sit under the dryer cuz it's just I mean honestly yeah, it's probably an ADD thing that we really should have recognized then. But um <laughs> now you know what it is for me now is literally I don't like the idea of sitting in one place without knowing like how long I'm going to be here. You know, um, one of the previous episodes, I was actually talking about how there was a period of time in my like early to mid twenties that I would just randomly end up at churches and, and it would be all types of churches too. And a lot of times it's because my friend was like uh, performing maybe, or like uh, I've had a God baby who was, uh, what is it? Dedicated. Um, and then of course the twin babies were dedicated as well. Or it would just be something random that would I would just end up being at a church service. And they're all different. I've always been fascinated by that. But it's really mm-hmm. hard. At least if there's music, it's a lot easier for me. But if there's not a lot of music that Sunday, <laughs> it's it's really tough. It's really tough. It's really tough. It's, and don't go over time because I get so tempted because I'll get hot. I'll start sweat, stress sweating. And I'm like, we were supposed to be out an hour ago. Like, what do you mean the cafeteria is not open this Sunday? I thought that's the whole point of having a cafeteria in the church. Like, I was trying to eat. Okay. I don't understand. <laughs> okay, yeah, see, different experiences, all right? At this point, yeah. I, don't, I don't even go to other people's churches. I'm so used to my church and literally, so I always joke, like, how we're the Black uh, Catholics and how we are on, um, what is it called, it CP time. <laughs> And our um, our pastor, he's actually white, but he's gotten used to us. So we'll do an hour and 15 minutes. Like, we will run over. But if you go to, like, a real deal Catholic church, an hour, I mean, they're saying, giving you the sign of peace, and they're out. <laughs> they're like, we'll see you next Sunday. We're not eating. We're not doing any of those things. You know, it was great. We're gone. So definitely we're – we have it's, – it's actually, like, you can – time it through what what part you're in we have the music we have prayer we have all those things you can time it and you don't have to look at your watch so that's another thing that i found going to churches and it's like two three hours sometimes i feel like you might miss the message because it's so long so that's so interesting oh good i i I mean i find that interesting oh because like I think so much of the black church is also somewhat of black culture, right? And there's this mm-hmm. this need for fellowship. Um, historically, yes. black churches have always been this, well, they were the center of, you know, the culture. Like, that's how you found out what was going on. That's how you found out about, okay, so what's this boycott going to look like? You know what I mean? Like, how are we going to mm-hmm. navigate this space? Um, yeah. And I think with that, that's why you kind of get some of this. Or honestly, there's spirit in that too. And that's why I, I personal, my personal beliefs are, I think Black Christianity is different than 
um, some other versions of Christianity simply because I think we incorporated so much of our actual spirit into it because, you know, that wasn't one of our, at least as it is, as it was sold and forced upon us by white folks. um, That wasn't something that we practiced. And so a lot of our customs that we brought with us as we were kidnapped um, and put on these boats were different aspects of the religion that we could hold on to that was, you know, that we ultimately, I think we've tried to hide simply for safety, right? Like when you tell a group of people they can't speak their native language and they can't practice religion anymore, you're still going to find that spirit. And I think that's why there is so much spirit in black church. But I think Mm -hmm. that from the same breath, I think so much, and that's why we spend so much time there too, because that was us being social, but I think in that same breath, we also took everything that was taught to us to hate about ourselves was also ingrained in some of that um, as time progressed, right? Like when you talk about, you know, how you know, you're gay, you don't belong here, you're a sinner. Well, old boys up here fucking four or five, six different women. I have a whole bunch of first cousins running around that I don't know about. You know what I mean? Like all of this was still going on and no one had anything to say about it. You know what I mean? Like, and so I I think, (laughs) or even women and like straight heterosexual women and they're what they're being taught about their pleasure, right? Like you're not here to feel good about your body and yourself. You're not here for that. You are here to serve this man. That's, that's, that's your goal to rear children and protect and basically run your household like a manager and support this man in all of his endeavors, regardless of if they're problematic or not, you know, subservient. And I'm just like, I just can't, that's hard for me, especially as someone who's a little bit on that non-binary spectrum. Every time I go to a wedding and it's like, you know, she is of my rib and I'm here to to lead this household and I just need you to basically be submissive to me and my decisions and follow me. And it's really hard for me to digest. (laughs) You know, it's really Um, hard to digest. Yeah, I think um, uh, the church, uh, which is funny, or religion, is definitely heavily ingrained in our society. And um, I think that something that Black people don't always talk about is how we kind of turn a blind eye to certain things. Like you talked about like, oh, you know, you're out here and you're fornicating or having sex with several women and this, that, and the third. So one sin seems greater than the other, which I really don't like because you're not supposed to have sex without, you know, without being married if you want to follow all the rules. But it's not okay for me to seek my own pleasure as a woman first. And secondly, as a lesbian, it's not okay for me to know myself. But if I was a woman who was with a man, I have to abide by certain rules. I just don't, I, I don't understand that. I don't understand it. I definitely reject Ooh, it at this point because. <laughs> oh, I want to hear more about uh, that. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I definitely Break that down I reject that notion. I'm sorry. Um, so I I reject the notion of of saying that I have to appease another person. 
Uh, and when I say mm. appease another person, like you're basically telling me that I have to dedicate my life to this man. I have to dedicate my life to this person. And what that kind of insinuates is that no matter what you do to me, no matter how you treat me, I'm always kind of, I want to say indebted to you because you say you want to mm-hmm. be me or you have chosen me versus we choose each other. I'm not looking for to be chosen. I'm looking to say this is a mutual agreement, but because you're a man or even I, I even go into the masculine centered women as well. Because you're choosing me and because our society says that man is always on top and the woman follows, then it's almost like, oh, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to be with me. Like, this is, you know, this is something that you have to, you're indebted to me. So you got to have my kids. You have to make sure my house is clean. You have to be like on point all the time. You always have to be open and available to me, but I don't have to give you the same things. I don't have to be there for you in the same way. And I feel like that's not fair. And again, that comes from cheating. Oh, you know, a man will cheat or he'll stray. And they'll say, it's, yeah, what are you doing wrong? Not, oh, he's just a messed up person or he needs to, you know, maybe he has some traumas or needs therapy. They'll look at the woman and say, you did something wrong. Now you got to fix it. Why? Maybe we should both work on ourselves and be whole and then add to each other's lives. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think we do see that in our community as well. Um, Mm -hmm. I was reading, I think it was someone posted something. It was either on Facebook and something like that. And they were like, I think, and they were speaking about men, but I think you can, I think it really, you can, I can relate as a masculine centered person. Um, They were Mm -hmm. like, men don't I think some of this would be incorrect but I from a, this particular standpoint that I'm coming from um they were like sometimes men really don't know love or don't expect to receive love until they feel like they're financially worthy and what it was trying to say is like you know some men who really do want and ascribe to this idea of like hey I have to provide like I'm supposed to lead right they were, they mm-hmm. tend not to take relationships with women seriously until they feel that they're at a certain financial point or standpoint where they could support a household on them, their own. And for some reason, I really related to that because I'm like, you know, a lot of the reason why I, I don't necessarily want to date, and I do want to date, and I go back and forth with this, but I know that I might not want to date seriously in terms of monogamous relationships. Um is because I do want to be at a certain point in in my financial life where I can live completely freely and do whatever I want. And I do think that takes away from this whole experience because what if I do meet someone who now (laughs) that would be a great fit? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think I should cut myself off of that because I don't think I'm quote unquote financially worthy, even though I can take care of myself and I can do these things, right? Um, Sometimes I think we buy into this idea of being this provider, which might not even be a natural inclination for some of us. So I totally agree with that, that notion of what does this say? Well, how, how religion has shaped society in a lot, in a lot of ways. And we see that as this, this idea of masculine personality should be always making decisions and leading and being the financially stable ones. 
Um, right. I'm assuming because you believe that you probably don't date masculine individuals who have those sentiments. Um, uh, at this point, um, I have had to go through some, <laughs> uh, self-building. Uh, so how I go about dating at this point is way different than what I used to go about it. Uh, my beliefs on finances and being all the way ready and one person has to carry a load has definitely changed uh, at this point uh, because I feel like when you go about dating a person just for finances, it's like you could buy my love. And when right. saying you could buy my love means that because you pay all of these things or you do all of these things for me financially, you're able to treat me a certain way. So what I had to do was break down that mindset of, oh, I need a person that can financially support me. I can support myself. I'm just asking that you come to the table ready and willing to be able to match me. If you make more than me or less than me and you still have, you know, all of your yourself together, that's different. But I feel like um, kind of like, money can buy love type of thing, it did kind of come, you know, from the church. Most men could not marry a woman if he didn't have enough money. Or if he could mm. not give her family, like, a diary or something like that. So I, I definitely understand why masculine women or men feel that way because it's I've been our mindset from day one. What, do you have, what, what financial things can you give to me or my family? You're buying my love. You're buying me. And when you treat somebody like property, your mindset is, oh, well, I already did the work up front. So now I don't have to do anything else. No. I, you don't have to buy my love. You're supposed to earn my love and my respect through time again and again. So I don't expect anybody to, you know, and D.C. is a, a people make money here. Like, you know, salaries yeah. are up. You can make six figures. You can make less than six figures. You can have an interesting job. You can work for a nonprofit, the government. There's all these things that you can do. But at the end of the day, I would not pass up an opportunity because I felt that somebody couldn't carry me financially. Because you don't know what's going on with that person. You don't know how they're going to add to your deadlines. I'm not asking for you to complete me. I'm asking for you to add to my life. There's a difference. Right. There's a difference. So right. we have to break down this mindset because, you know, feminine women, straight women, cis women, we're making money. We're making money too. But we're still living in the past. We're still saying, oh, we yes. need a person to come in and be with us. And then that that makes our mindset a little... Like, it's kind of like we're putting masculine-centered men on a pedestal when we're really kind of equal at this point, especially in our earning potential, our potential to, to earn money, our potential to run a household, our potential to be the lead in the situation. We're starting to be equal, but we're not acting like it because I really do feel that religion plays a big part of that because of our how we were raised, what's ingrained in us, how it should go. Some of those things we have to let go of. Some of those traditions are not relevant now. Yeah. 
some of them are really unhealthy and they're keeping us from Mm -hmm. reaching our full potential or like really honestly on a basic level experiencing life experiencing pleasure experiencing people as they are you know Mm -hmm. um lately i've been working through this whole thing of who am i really because it's going to be fucking weird right and (laughs) us being in this house this whole time with covid you know, I've sat with myself a really long time. I've had a lot of spiritual challenges a good amount of this time. And I work on a lot of stuff that without the ability of just being in a house 24-7, I would not have had, I think I would have eventually got there, but it would have taken longer to have these conversations with spirit, right? It would have taken longer to examine friendships and what does love really mean and what does pleasure really mean for me and then how does that play into my spirituality and then once they start being in sync what does that look like um and so now I'm like I'm a little you know nervous about going outside again because I'm a freaking weirdo I'm comfortable with it (laughs) my friends are pretty much comfortable with it I'm not sure if everyone's going to be comfortable with it. And like, how does that, how does that, you know, make me feel or even like, you know, cause I, I'm a, I believe everything's connected and like, you know, what little Nas X did with his music video and how a lot of people that went over their entire head, what he was trying to say, um, in order to make a video like that, you have to know your verses. You have to know these stories because otherwise there's no irony in it. You wouldn't be able to. And I think that's what a lot of it was. Like a lot of people didn't figure out he was being ironic because you you say, you know, you're religious, but you really truly don't. Because if you did, you would understand this art, his artistry in saying this. But you're so caught up on the fact that he was giving the devil a lap dance, <laughs> you know, like you missed the entirety point of that whole video. And so I think we're starting to have discussions around stuff like that now. We're starting to have discussions about, okay, well, what does, what does our sense of self, we're having discussions, especially being black in America, is like, well, this is, I, this is not, it doesn't feel right. Not to say that I, I think there's levels of religion. I think there's something about it that is very, it connects people. I think it can always be dangerous, of course. Anything that can connect and motivate people and encourage people and make people feel belong is always going to have the flip side, which is dangerous. But I think we're having a lot of conversations now where it's like, what is my sense of self? And what does my spiritual realm look like? And can I move through this space? Can I move through this Black queer space in D.C. and be comfortable in my spirit? I might make other people uncomfortable. I might be comfortable in my journey towards pleasure, but are other people going to be okay with my light actually shining is what I'm trying to get to. It's like what I've been working through personally is understanding what my light looks like. And everyone's light looks different. I had a friend in high school. She, I hope she's preaching now because she was amazing. She was amazing. I think there's some people that you can just tell, like your your walk with the Lord is genuine. It's legit. Like, I don't know what it is about some of those people, but you can just see her light. And I remember being like, I think I was a sophomore in high school. And I was like, I want my light to shine like that. Like, I want people to be able to feel my light. And now at 33, I'm like, okay, my light is here. I'm ready. Other niggas aren't ready. And 
I'm <laughs> like, I don't want to dim down this weird ass, dope ass vibe <laughs> that is spiritual, that is connected, that is God given yeah. and blessed, right? Um, to make yeah. other people feel comfortable, you know, and that's how I can be this freak nasty freak if I had if I had more time <laughs> on my hands and I can find somebody who wants to be a freak with me, right? And then I'm looking for a freak like me. Um, but aren't we all? Yeah, it's 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 right. Um, aren't we all? And so like, like, I just um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, well, because I definitely have sat with myself a lot, uh, and it's funny that you say that because I've been exploring other options um, as far as like sexual realms and stuff like that, which can conflict with your religion still. And um, it's funny because as I sat in the house during the pandemic, uh, I did a lot of self-care, self-improvement. I did a lot of getting to know myself. And the one thing that um, you definitely like kind of repeatedly said is how will other people perceive me? How will other people take me? Well, the simple question or the simple answer to that is it does not matter because People who are truly just attracted to you, they will come. They will come. They will just like to be there. They're not asking you to do anything. They just enjoy your company. Um, So for me personally, the first thing I had to do was enjoy myself and understand that if you want to be here, that's fine. If you don't want to be here, that's fine. If you want to be a freak with me, that's fine. If you, you know, say you don't want to deal with me, that's fine too. If you don't like how, you know, I represent myself, I'm okay with that. You do not have to be here. This is my story. You have a story and I have a story. People are in my story right now because this this is my life. And I'm not changing for anybody. I used to dim my light a lot for other people. I'm not going to say I'm weird. I'm a little nerdy. Um, I love Harry Potter. I don't know what that's about. <laughs> I love Harry Potter. I... Oh, real quick, before you finish, what house were you sorted into? <laughs> what house were you sorted into? Uh, I took the test. It said I was Slytherin, but I like, um, I always <laughs> thought I would be like Hufflepuff or Gryffindor, but I was like Slytherin. Hey, I feel some type of way about my life now. What about you? I feel it. I'm a Hufflepuff. Um, I was oh, sorted into a Hufflepuff. It's funny that you say that. The first time I took the test, I was sorted into Hufflepuff. And I was like, really? I was like, that was that I wouldn't have gotten that. I wouldn't have gotten that. Like I, I could see yeah. maybe Ravenclaw, maybe Gryffindor. Okay. Actually, to be perfectly honest, I could totally see Slytherin too, to be honest. But I was like, Hufflepuff? Who the hell are Hufflepuffs? And then I started looking it up. I was like, oh no, Hufflepuffs are really cool. All the Hufflepuffs <laughs> people are sorting Hufflepuff. I know we're dope. I mean, we had the rock, we had Michelle Obama, like, you know. <laughs> but I'm sorry. I was just curious. I was just curious. I love to ask people. It's like I know it's a millennial joke too, but it is reflective of a lot of personality traits. Obviously, you know that was it's derivative of some stuff. So, um, but go yeah. ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. You're talking yeah. about no, no, no. So, so like I, I like things like that, um, and knowing certain things about myself, I started dimming or I started like kind of making myself smaller or digestible for people. So I wouldn't share certain things or I would avoid certain topics because I am very intellectual. Um, and I would just make it so that people would understand me. And 
during the pandemic, I'm like, no, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to be who we're going to be. That includes my religion. I'm Catholic. I, you know, I never say like, oh, you have to be like religious or anything like that. But I do want whoever I end up with, I do want them to be, you know, know God or be spiritual or have something that connects them to um, a deeper level of understanding of themselves and knowing that there's a higher power. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like I like to play chess. Like there's so many things about me that makes me unique. And at this point in my life, whether I'm a lesbian or, you know, whatever I'm doing at this point, that's who I'm going to be. And if you don't like it, you don't have to be here. And that's just yeah. how I am at this point. So, you know, live your life. People, like, you know, there's all sorts of events. Like, I definitely was more so into the party scene yesterday, doing, like, uh, going to kickball (laughs) and just meeting other people and just kind of chilling. Definitely gave me hope that, oh, I can meet other people outside of, like, the, you know, the clubs or happy hour and just really enjoy people's presence and a lot of times when you accept yourself, you start kind of gravitating to those who accept you. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up that kickball thing too, because um, actually I might talk to Jess. We talked yesterday to founder of Play Play DC. And, you know, one of the things that we were talking about is how spiritual those kickballs and us playing, like it's like recess, right? Really is like Mm -hmm. that's fellowship there. Like I think, the thing about Play Play DC that's so great, because it is outside the bars, right? I mean, there may or not may not be alcohol around or whatever, but that's yeah. alcohol is not the center of that event, right? It's Mm-mm. it's taking us back to a time where, you know, you kind of feel like you did when you were a kid, right? I mean, there's some differences. Like, I, you know, it's hard to remember mm-hmm. rules sometimes. So I was like, I don't remember even, I don't remember the details <laughs> of some of this. Um, but you know, I think the overall feeling that we have playing together mm-hmm. is it's pleasurable, it's spiritual and it's fun. And it's yeah. one of those times that you can be uniquely yourself. And I was explaining to someone, I was like, you know, when I was a kid, this recess and game time or play, or even PE was my time to shine because, you know, I was a military brat. Mm-hmm. So we did, I didn't have to do as much moving as my parents or my siblings did. But I did, like, the first time I went to school more than three years was high school. Or even this more than two years was high school. So, you know, I was always at different schools. I had to make friends. And I, people don't know this about me, I'm actually a quiet, naturally quiet person. I'm not necessarily shy. I just don't mind being quiet and silent. And I'm comfortable in the space <laughs> around a whole bunch of people being like, quiet. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, one of the ways that I would make friends was at recess and playtime, um, playing basketball or playing dodgeball. Handball was one of my favorites. Tetherball was one of my favorites. Um, jump roping, all of that. Because it, 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 it provided an opening for me to be able to communicate with other people. And also, I think there's this space where you have to actually show up and be somewhat honest about, A, the reason why you're there, or your thoughts, Right. Yes, yesterday I was going to fight for that run because there is no way that that run didn't count. If that would have been a baseball game, <laughs> it would have counted. And I'm not, and it's, it wasn't confrontational. I think sometimes, you know, and that's another thing that I've learned. I think 
without if we were kids having that same conversation, it wouldn't have felt confrontational. Yeah. But it felt confrontational. Yeah. And I do think religion plays into this a little bit too. It might have felt confrontation for confrontational for some folks because we're not used to actually being able to be that honest with each other. We're not used to being able to be that emotional and open with each other anymore. Somewhere between the ages of 12 and our 30s, actually not even, 12 in college years and even high school years, we were told that we can no longer authentically express ourselves and that we have to tone down our emotions and even the inflection in our voice. No one was angry. Everyone was having a good time. We were actually mostly confused. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean? Because yes, as adults, you're like, okay, this is not right. And so I, I think there's a level of pure just authenticity that comes out when you play games like that. The three on three, the the I thought the mm-hmm. uh, um the double judge was really interesting because we were talking about that and all of us, most of us were masculine identified too, or centered, and we were like, mm-hmm. you know, that's the one thing we couldn't learn to do. We couldn't learn to double dutch. And one of my other friends was like, yeah, I always felt like I always wanted to learn. It was kind of like how people feel about spades. But, you know, I didn't want anyone to yell at me and I didn't want to slow things down. And then the next thing you know, you have all these masculine identified folks learning how to double dutch and hop into two ropes. And it was actually really cute. That was the dopest thing I've ever seen. But, like, I I think that's, that's a type of fellowship that we've had to create because we were rejected in places like churches. Um, we are rejected in some places um, in the clubs. I've been to a party before because I carry my masculinity maybe a little bit differently than others. You looking at me crazy. Why are you looking at me yeah. crazy? I don't look that different than you. Bruh, I used to beat up on your team when we were at AU back in the day. It's not like you don't know me. Like, why are you looking at me sideways? I'm not trying to steal your girl. Like, you know... <laughs> And so <laughs> like, it's always like that, though. It's always like that. It's always like yeah. that. Yeah. 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 I definitely. And um, y- yeah. No, no, seriously. Like when you get those looks and you just be like, oh, okay, another event where I'm just like with the people I came with. Um, it's kind of it's kind of nerve wracking. I'm actually an outgoing person, but I came to the first kickball event and I did not play because I did, I had like that feeling of like being in school and I'm like, oh shit, I don't know these, I don't know anybody. It's like my first day. (laughs) Um, But playing yesterday, it was like, okay, like I literally knew nobody on the team and we all talked and we talked about the game and it was just like really fun because it's just like, oh, this is nice. Like, we're not separated. It wasn't, you know, like, alcohol is always nice. But it wasn't uh, mm-hmm. surrounded by alcohol. It was, nobody looked at it, anybody like, okay, well, you can't sit with us type of thing. Um, which I feel like in the club, it sometimes it's like that mean girl vibe where it's like, oh, you can't sit with us. Or, you know, like, you're not cool enough for us. It was definitely just very authentic and just gave me like, oh, this is, it's, it's nice outside. We're we're playing. We're you know going back and forth, and then also with the emotions that came up. Um, so I'm very sarcastic, and I'm like, some people won't catch my sarcasm because it could be a little dry. <laughs> but I'm like, I don't want to offend anybody. But some of the things that I had to say, they were real because I'm like the umpire, like she was not playing with us. She was like, no. No, no. And I'm like, bruh, I, I got to read the rules on this. I'm going to have to Google this later. 
I will have to Google this, but to show your passion or to cheer or maybe to be a little upset, these are feelings that we have been taught to ignore. If you're too, if yeah. you're too upset, if you're too emotional, if you're too this, it's just oh, oh, oh I can't, I can't deal with that. But I believe that comes from a basis of not understanding or knowing those feelings, because what we're really scared of is the, the, the reaction not the actual feeling. So it's okay right. to be upset or angry. Like, yeah, you know what? I was a little upset. Oh, okay. Yeah. She, you know, she hit me kind of hard with that ball. Yeah. I'm a little upset. I'm in my feelings. That's fine. Identify the feeling, know where it's coming from. And then you just let it go. And then we. Exactly. And that's what sportsmanship play. is. Yes. Exactly. I and feel that's, like we have that's exactly sportsmanship. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I, I talk. I, I talk. My friends always make fun of me because most of my metaphors are like sport related, and because I, I just oh. think sports is especially if you played them for a long time. I think they're very reflective of society. I think, mm-hmm. in one way or another, right? And one thing, one of the things that the reason why you know I would want my kids to play sports not because I want to push them into doing something that I did. There is a level of adversity that you really have to learn to be able to do it, um, especially at higher levels. And I've had teammates I don't freaking like. I've had teammates that I adore, like Bryce, who was there. Like, I love Bryce, right? Like, I've known them since I was 18 years old, and it was his love, right? And I love seeing them every time they come down and play. And I understand understand them as a competitor, right? Right. That's mm-hmm. a different, that was a bond that was formed because we spent so much time together and we practiced and we did all of these things. And, you know, that, that doesn't change. But I do think that if you don't, and it goes back to play as well, like if you don't put yourself in situations to have these conversations and you don't put yourself in uncomfortable situations where you're right, you don't recognize your, these feelings and you think these feelings are going to last forever. You think these feelings are like wrong in some cases. Like you're not really questioning why you might feel this way. And also in some cases, you're not feeling like you're worthy to have these feelings. Yes. Um, yes. And I think sports helps, That sports really help you work through that. Sports really help yeah. you, you know, confront that because you have to, there's no choice. You can't go anywhere. You know, I was playing a volleyball right. league. Uh, one of the lesbians invited me to this volleyball league like two years ago. And I was playing and I, I remember sitting up there thinking like, dang, I haven't felt this way in a minute and working through this. I can't spike this ball in a way that I really want to. And this sounds so small. It sounds so small. What am I going to do about it? Like, I'm not used to pouting about it outside of sports. You know, I think I've gotten into that habit of being like, oh, it is what it is. And I'm not that. And that's also something that I've been going through with COVID. I'm like, I'm naturally not that person. Like, I'm really naturally not that person. I'm that person. Like, <laughs> I love to push through. I, I like to yeah. figure out what's going to work. Sometimes that's not always healthy. Um, that's the other side no. of that. Like, not everything is sports. Um, but, yeah. you know, it was a while. It's been a while at that point where I was mentally challenged like that, where it was like, mm. okay. We're here right now. Like, there's no other, I'm not anywhere else. I don't have anything else to do right now. I feel some type of way. What am I going to do about it? You know, even yesterday, I didn't catch that ball. Knowing damn well that ball was, I knew that ball was going to get kicked to me. And I was almost ready. But it was way too high. And once I felt like I was falling back, I was like, oh, man, I got to commit to this role because 
<laughs> I ain't trying to hurt myself out here on these streets. And yes, yeah. it was embarrassing. I thought it was freaking hilarious, but I didn't feel, I didn't really feel embarrassed to be perfectly honest. Yo, that joint was coming fast and I just was not ready. <laughs> you know, but yeah. that to me, I felt good about the fact that I didn't feel like I was in my feelings about it, you know? And, and um, I think sports can really do that for folks. Yeah, um, I definitely, I, I definitely had that feeling too, like, I think there was a moment where I was just like, oh my God, I, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go play this time. And I'm like, oh, you haven't played this game since she was how old? I probably was 12 or 13. <laughs> I know that it, I, the last time I played kickball, it was a while ago. And I'm just like, do you even know how to play? <laughs> so there was a brief moment where I was just like, you know, I'm like, okay, you going to have to. Either, either this is going to be the moment where you say you can do it and you're going to try or you're going to sit down. And that really helps with confidence, uh, confident building, because it's something new that I haven't done in so long. So it's, you know, even like kicking the ball, I'm telling everybody, I'm like, oh, I made like a whole home run and I'm so excited. <laughs> and then, you know, my next kick, I choked, but it was just like, I was like, you know, it's okay. Clap it up for yourself. You know, everything is not perfect. And it's those times of having maybe embarrassment just kind of forced upon you that helps you deal with it. Because, like, you know, okay, the first time you might be really embarrassed. But how you, you know, how you respond to it is what matters. Because, okay, I felt embarrassed a little bit. You know, I didn't catch the ball. All right, whatever. Well, now I go to my second time. I feel a little bit embarrassed because I fell over. But the more you feel that feeling and the more that you know how to respond to it, the quicker you get over it. But when you don't allow the feeling to happen, that's when it's a problem or you're upset or your ego takes over. Because, you know, you could have, like, rolled over or tried to catch the ball or do something. You could have hurt yourself. Or you could have argued about it. And then, like, that's ruining not just your time but the game. You know, right. so you're like, okay, it's okay. I took an L. It's fine to take an L sometimes. Let's, you know, get up and dust ourselves <laughs> off. So definitely enjoyed it. I, <laughs> I completely agree. And with that, thank you so much for coming on. Like, this has been a wonderful conversation. Um, definitely have you, you on one of the panels for, for sure in the future. Yeah. Can you tell people where they can find you and follow you? Um, yes, uh, you guys can follow me at Lady Daystar um, on Instagram and Tori Harris on Facebook. And I think those are all my handles. I'm not very social media down right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. And with that, thank you everyone for listening. And uh, I guess you'll hear me next week. <laughs>